The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went home, and the crowd came together again, so that Jesus and the disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? The kingdom is divided against itself. That kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end is come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then, indeed, the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I'd like to invite the children to come forward for the children's sermon. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions for you. If your mom has a sister, how are they related to you? What do you call that person? An aunt. Excellent. Um, Let's say my brother has a son. So who is he to me? Let's see. Who is he? He's my nephew. Okay, so here's the next one. How are you related to me? You got it, Rebecca? Perfect. (laughs) We are both God's kids. Awesome answer. When we walk into the church here, we walk past that huge bowl full of water, and it's that water that ties us together, not as random people sitting in a pew, but as family. And all over the world today, in Africa, Europe, Asia, all kinds of places, we have sisters and brothers who are gathering together to worship God, family of ours. And they are our sisters and brothers. The good thing in God's family is it's easier because pretty much everybody's a sister and brother. It's not like uncles and in-laws and things like that. So remember that when we see one another that we are family, not strangers. Let's say a prayer. Can you guys hold your hands? Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for the beauty of your family in all of its sizes and shapes and configurations. We ask that you would always remind us that we are family. Amen. Okay, you guys can go back to your seats now.
So today's texts are like the nightmare set of readings. They're just no good. We have uh, this great Old Testament reading that starts out with these people going to the prophet Samuel and saying, we like you a lot, except for the fact that you're really old and we hate your kids. But other than that, we're right behind you. And they want a new king. They want a king, period. Not a new one, just a king. They want to be like the neighbors. They've been looking over the fence and trying to figure out how they, too, could be cool like their neighboring countries. And they've decided that it is a king that they need. So then we get this great story of, but the king's going to tax you, and it sounds like a 2012 presidential ad from some kind of super PAC that's getting run. You really don't want that. But that's, in some ways, kind of the best reading that we have today, and it's that clunky one. The gospel text that I really want to focus on today is even more awkward. We've been in John for a few weeks, and John is so eloquent. He's got this great way of writing, this smooth grammar and speech. But Mark... Not so much. We get a lot of the Greek where it's he, 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 and you get about 20 verses into it and are thinking back, who are we talking about again? But there is a power in this lesson, even as clunky and disjointed as it is, there is a power in it. The text begins by saying he went home. It's always kind of a warm feeling to go home. The text isn't clear right before that is this kind of phone book listing of the 12 apostles. And then with his whole crew, he goes home. But there are so many people following him that they can't even eat when they get there. That's how big a crowd there is. Now, consider this. Mark has 16 chapters. We're into chapter 3. And it's already kind of this crazy as we have the text today. There are all kinds of people there, supporters of his who are excited about the ministry that he's doing, but there's even a bigger crowd with experts from the big city in trying to put Jesus in his place. He's been casting out demons, healing people, and they've been wondering how he can do this. How? It's a question of Jesus' character, not perhaps unlike what we hear from the people yelling at Samuel in the first reading. But nonetheless, they are questioning Jesus' character. And as the text gets even more specific, they're in particular questioning his spirit. Jesus is having none of it. Mark, in a lot of ways, is far more blunt than the other Gospels. Jesus charges out of the house, and it says that his family tries to restrain him. The image is almost physically trying to hold on to arms because he's just hot under the collar at how they're talking about him. And he goes out, he can't be stopped. Maybe the subtitle for the Gospels as a whole. He can't be stopped. And he goes out to speak with them. Now the text kind of gets, we get Beelzebub and demons. It gets kind of convoluted there. But the part that I want to focus on is an interesting piece where they question Jesus' spirit. And he says, this sin is un." Forgivable. Now that's the kind of language that we, we ought to remember that sin, because that one is unforgivable. 
The questioning of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' Spirit, the Spirit that forgives. This is a powerful Spirit. And it says, if you react against this Spirit, there's no hope for you. We read a kind of a more modern paraphrase of the text. And it actually, the image described is like being on a branch on a tree and sawing it off while you're on it. To work against the very Holy Spirit who is the one that forgives you. You're spiting your own self. But now we get to kind of the culmination of the text. And I think the piece that resonates with our lives today, if the Beelzebub part didn't immediately, there is the powerful image of Jesus describing his family. In the Gospels, we hear Jesus talk about family a couple of times. Here we hear about brothers and sisters of his. We remember Gospel texts where it says that mother-in-law will not get along with daughter-in-law, that there will be conflict and clashing. But that's not today's text. Today's text is about the definition of family. They're calling from the door for him to come back in. And the people around him finally say, you know, Jesus, your family's calling for you. He stops, he looks around, and he says, here is my mother and my brother. My family is everyone who does my will. It's a very different definition. We have that great expression that Blood is thicker than water, right? This text kind of turns that on its head. It suggests that in the waters of baptism that that water is pretty thick. It suggests that we are to deal with one another in a different way. As family. Not as strangers. We recognize people here, but when we look around the world and think of all those gathered today in Christ's name, that we might call sisters and brothers. From our perspective, are they living in the wrong country, speak a wrong language, have different ideas about the, how the world should work? Or are they family? That's a different thing altogether. As we look at these kind of convoluted and awkward texts, we're mindful that God's definition of family typically is not ours. But we are being challenged and encouraged to adopt God's definition of family. That our sisters and brothers are many, they are here, and they are around the world. And I think the additional challenge in that context is that piece of forgiveness that is mentioned. The idea of not sawing off the branch that we're in. The things that we forgive family for that we might not forgive strangers for. But now if our sense of family is broader, where does that bring us? So I would encourage you as we hear these readings that there may be big chunks that you don't feel like you can grab onto. Be mindful of those pieces. God's definition of family as broad. Broader than ours is and how we are called to live as family, forgiving one another. Amen.